0: To a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: Valeria interviews Michael Arterberry, the author of Be Encouraged 250 Days of Motivation and Encouragement. As a teenager, Michael was fortunate to receive guidance from positive adult role models who helped him overcome adversities and set high expectations for his future. Grateful for the role these mentors played in his own development, Michael decided to dedicate his professional life to helping people navigate the difficulties of life and launch their future into motion. For more than 25 years, he has been helping teens and adults to use what they have gone through as a catalyst for success, rather than an obstacle for failure. Michael received the 2010 USA Networks Characters Unite Award for exceptional commitment to combating prejudice and discrimination while increasing tolerance and acceptance within the community. He is also the recipient of the 2014 100 Men of Color Award for Leadership. In 2008, Michael founded Youth Voices Center, Inc., a nonprofit with the mission of helping young people to become active, productive members of society by overcoming their obstacles, their history, stereotypes, and even their own self image and limiting beliefs. To learn more about Michael and his work, please visit MichaelArterberry.com. Here is the interview with Michael Arterberry.
0: In your own words, who is Michael Arterberry?
2: He is um, the master encourager. What I mean by that, is he is a a man now, but a young man who grew up through adversity, challenges, struggles. He has wounds, he has scars, but he was able to use his wounds and his scars as a catalyst to press him forward to not only save and work on himself, but he uses that to reach out to others that may be in the same position. And he likes to stand beside them and walk them through their journey to allow them to find the clarity that he was able to find throughout his journey.
0: Wow. I love that. Thank you for being you. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Be Encouraged, 250 Days of Motivation and Encouragement. I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first one is, what is life to you, Michael?
2: Life is about being able to see the fruits of your labor. And what that means is, you know, we all have a purpose in life. And, you know, if we're lucky enough to find it, you know that you're living in it. So I know that I'm living in my purpose. And so I strategically plan my life in a way that I'm able to use it. And so life to me is being able to see the fruits of my labor of me working and living in my purpose.
0: I love that, this idea of having a purpose and knowing our purpose, or our purposes. How do we do that? What would be your suggestion or opinion on how we find our purpose?
2: Oh, first and foremost, you have to quiet the noise. So, you know, most people have a tendency to like to be busy, but busy doesn't mean that you're productive. So you have to find a place of clarity and quietness to be able to allow anything to speak to you. So I think the first thing is being able to find some balance in your life and find a place where you can get alone and allow the universe to speak to you, to lead you in the proper path.
0: Mm, Yeah. Is it possible to have more than one purpose?
2: I think you, you, you could have a, a, almost like a, like in college you have a major but then you have minors. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you yeah. have a major purpose but you have a bunch of minor purposes that kind of fit underneath that major purpose.
0: Yeah, I agree. That sounds good to me and it makes sense. Another question is how do we know we have found a purpose?
2: Oh, that that's that's tricky but not tricky. Um the best thing I can say is is for myself, and when I feel that I'm in my purpose, you get this energy that goes through your body that almost feels like electricity. And so when you're feeling it go through, it's like when I'm speaking at the mic and I can start talking and I'm looking out in the audience, and I didn't really target like a specific person, but that energy starts, and you just started feeling going through you. And you gotta be careful though, because sometimes it gets so, it dominates that you know, I can stay up there and talk for like three or four hours. So I have a clock that's usually in front of me to kind of tap me on the shoulder and say, All right, buddy, turn it down. But um it's an energy. I feel I feel this specific energy and I know when it's 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 coming.
0: Is this energy also connected to inner peace or happiness or joy?
2: Spirituality.
0: Spirituality. What is spirituality to you, Michael? How would you describe well, I- that?
2: I'm I'm non-denominational Christian. And so, you know, I have a relationship with God and so to me it's building my relationship with him so that I am a representative of who he is on earth. So that is when I talk about, you know, feeling feeling it go out. When I feel that energy, I feel that I'm in that place where he's able to speak that direct, like directly through me. So that's how I look at spirituality.
0: Right. And so I have another question, the follow-up question to the what is life question. What is the opposite of life?
2: Opposite of life? Yeah. Um, I call it not living. Uh, there's people that are here that only exist. And I think that is that is such, oh, it's terrible. I mean, I meet people that way. And so the opposite is people that are shells, the shells walking through the earth, not yeah ingesting and taking in life, but they're just here as props. And I think that's the opposite of actually living.
0: Yeah, I love your answer. It resonates true. My next question is about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free?
2: To feel as if you do not need validation from anyone. When you get to a place that you've found that sweet spot, that validation or anyone No one needs to make you feel as if you are important. Um, It's free. It's freeing. And I've done the work. And so, you know, I walk into a room. I'm never afraid of what someone's saying about me, what they may be thinking. Um, I go in and, and I'm able to exist. No need
0: for validation. I'm wondering how we can balance that with the need for connection, to please and love and care for others.
2: So you balance it by it, you know, it's reciprocity. So you balance it by being conscious. And when you're conscious, you're able to see things in the proper perspective so that it's balanced. So if if I'm conscious, then I'm watching your needs and hopefully you're doing and reciprocating it. Um, So I'm not overdoing it and hopefully you're not doing the same And so if we are connecting, what I'm trying to do is to fill the voids that I see in you. And if you reciprocate and do the same for me, then it gets on a place where we don't have to crave it. You're just filling the spots so that it makes something whole.
0: Yeah, I like the word that you use, being conscious. I'm wondering if that is connected to self-awareness and self-love.
2: Well, unfortunately, I think 90% of the world lives unconscious. Mm-hmm. And that's why we see some of the things that we see in society. I think that living a conscious life gives you the ability to live and look at life so much more colorful, you know. Um, and so I live consciously and, and, you know, I do groups and I speak in groups. Mm-hmm. And if you quiet your consciousness well enough um, and you listen, um very carefully, it's amazing how I can take little words and chaos from a person's mind and actually bring some relevance to it because I was able to listen to it in a deep, conscious way. So living conscious to me is 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 beautiful. It's beautiful. It's colorful. It's beautiful. It's um you know, I talk about living a life of um, ordinary or extraordinary. I definitely put living conscious uh, and in an extraordinary life.
0: That makes me think about also being healed, I have done the work of healing. If We are able to connect with others in life, in ourselves this way, which has a lot to do with love and kindness. Would you say so?
2: Yes, yes. Well, well, you know, with healing, you know, being conscious and healing, you know, it, it gives you the the opportunity to feel the energy from the other person. You know, um, I think one of the blessings for me is that because I've come through, come from some trauma that now I don't only relate to people that have gone through trauma. So it's not like I only relate to people that gone through right. trauma, but because I've come through trauma, if I'm conscious I can feel the pain of another individual who may have come through trauma. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but there's an energy that comes off that almost calls you to that person. Um, And when I feel it, I'm very cautious and I'm conscious to make sure that I don't rush. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I want to make sure that I ease them into a place of where they want to be able to share and um, start to unravel some of those things that are going on in their lives.
0: Yeah, that sounds wonderful to me, your work. So my next question relates to the current situation. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality?
2: You know, with with what's going on in the world right now, and let's, you know, obviously we're all watching the TV and we see what's going on, and there's a shift going on. And in this shift, what I think people need to do um, is is to learn our our individual histories. You know, when you learn your history of others that you don't normally um, communicate with, you get to learn um, their pain, where they come from, you know, what some of their thoughts and processes, their foundations are based on. So that gives you more clarity. We can't speak and have a a relevant conversation if you don't have some sort of basis of where I come from. So, you know, I think with a lot of the different racial things going on, before they put a lot of people in rooms and start to have that conversation, people need to do some reading.
0: And a lot of um, self-awareness work, self-knowledge too, for sure. What is love to you, Michael? What is your understanding of the word love?
2: You know, the the person that taught me love was my mom. (laughs) And I say that because, um, you know, I grew up in a home. It was it was crazy. It was crazy. You know, I mean, uh, alcoholic dad, um, verbally and physically abusive to my mom, but not to his kids. You know, but to be a man child and watch my mom have to combat that was difficult. But I say that because in the midst of all of that, her love was a hedge and it protected me from all of that dysfunction and and all that craziness. And um so it's big, you know, and what's what's what's, oh man, it's scary is the fact that she loved me so big that if I'm not loved in that way in return, you know, I'm, 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 I'm sometimes very disappointed, you know, because I, I I felt that big love that, you know, it's hard for a person to match it, but that's what I grew up on, you know, but I love the same way, you know? And so in my groups, you know, what I love is when I have teenagers that have never had loving parents and in my program, I have them for two full days that after the two days they felt, they come to me at the end, and they'll say, "You know what? If I had a dad, you know, I would want him to be just like you." so for in the two days, Dave was able to feel the love of what a nurturing, loving father would give his children. So you know, love is big, and i i i i I give it just like I got it from my mother.
0: How beautiful to listen to this, yeah, I love the way you say it. Love is big, <laughs> and it is, yeah. What is your idea of the word peace?
2: Peace is being able to process your thoughts, find proper perspective, so that you're able to find that place of peace. So what I mean by that is we forget that that we have the ability to hold a thought or get rid of a thought. And once you realize that you are capable of holding or letting it, letting it go, you have to live. That's why when we talked about consciousness, people don't like to live conscious because that takes work. Mm, You see what I'm saying? So when I'm, when I'm talking about the process, so if a thought comes at you, you have to grab it and say, do I want to hold this? Or do I want to get rid of it? Because if it's a negative thought, You know, it will plant itself, it will germinate like a seed and it grows. That's true. You know, so for peace for me is being able to be combative in a sense of not being paranoid, but be combative enough that you're in control of where you are, what's coming in, and making sure that you filter and censor it um, quickly and and in a a conscious effort.
0: I love. Your wisdom, Michael, what a wonderful wisdom, deep and true. Yeah, living consciously is not easy for most people because it's about making choices almost moment by moment. And most people prefer to live automatically or just flow. I love the idea of flowing with life too, but in a conscious way. I have two more questions for you. What, where, and who is God?
2: Ooh, so what? Let's start with the what. What is he to me? He is everything. You know what I mean? He's everything. Um, You know, I grew up in a home where, you know, my mom was seven day Adventist. So I had to worship the Sabbath sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So I rejected religion growing up simply because as a young boy, I didn't like being to have to do that. Um, I came back to religion some years after college. But he's everything. He's everything. You know, I get up in the morning. I believe in mind, body and soul. And the first thing I take care of before I do anything in my day is I commune with him and I spend time and it sets up my day. But it sets me up. So, you know, as far as what he's everything. What was the second one, Valeria? I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: What, where and who?
2: All right. So where is he? He's everywhere. You know, he's everywhere. And so, you know, um, my wife wrote a book about my life story, it's called God Was Holding My Hand. And when I say he's everywhere, um, the reason why we titled it that way was because when I came out, I had um, spinal cord surgery. And when I came out of the surgery, um, only my lower extremities were touched. So nothing on my upper body should have had any feeling with the surgery, but my right palm, was burning. And I kept saying to the nurse, why is my palm burning? I was all happy because something happened. And then Valeria, I came home and I'm on my couch and I'm now processing the the burning hand. And I think back and there's a chair right by my recovery bed, right where my right palm would fall off the bed. And so when I realized that God came and stopped in his busy schedule and he was holding his son's hand, so you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was holding my hand. so that's why it's burning. So he's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. What's that last one? Let me tackle the last one. What? Yeah. yeah, the last one's who? Ooh, who? Who <laughs> is he? Who is he? Who is he? He is omniscient, you know. So you know, you you you. So many times I have to catch myself when I pray. You know, you pray for what you want, but you have to understand that he knows what you want before you pray. Um, And so he knows everything about us. And uh, there's mornings where I feel like I don't have the words to um, put it together to ask for anything. And in, in the Bible, it says, you know, he understands your murmurs. So sometimes I'll just hum.
0: Do you connect God to
2: unconditional love? Oh, boy, do I do I not not do well, I mean it's it's if it weren't for God, i I mean I'd be a I wouldn't be so peaceful to be honest with you. I mean, I was you know i'm a I'm a big guy. i'm, I'm I got a whole lot of testosterone jumping through my veins. You know, there's times where I have to to seek him. You know, forgiveness is is, oof. you know that forgiveness is work, you know? um, I've learned in my older age the detriment of unforgiveness, but, you know, for, for you to be able to forgive somebody that, you know, rightfully and purposely tried to hurt you. I mean, that's, that's big. So, you know, unconditional love and, and God is, it goes hand in hand. And anytime that I'm in a position, well, I, I feel like I have to love a human unconditionally. I think about the love and how he forgive us and, and gave his life for our sins.
0: That takes trust. I think you call it faith. I call it trust. What do you think is the the purpose of the human experience?
2: The purpose of the human experience is to step into your purpose. So let me explain that to you. What I mean by that is if you allow fear to hinder you from stepping into your purpose, you negate another person from being able to reach their own. Mm. So you will put on this earth so that you could step into your purpose because there's someone in the universe waiting for you to do so. So when you choose not to do it, not only do you not get the fulfillment of it, but you take it away from that person who's waiting for you to move forward.
0: I love this connectivity that you just made everything's connected. why would someone not choose to live her or his purpose?
2: you know we we just like consciousness it's work, right. you know it's work you know when 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 you live in your purpose, it sounds very colorful and like flowers and butterflies, but to be able to live in your purpose, you know sometimes it's it's iron on iron, you know um living in your purpose makes you be uh disciplined you have to be strategic you have to be mindful and a lot of those things you know you talked about people just living i call it being sloppy and there's a lot of people that rather be sloppy with their lives than to have some structure so people don't want to live in that purpose because it, it it requires organization and organization requires work
0: so true and lots of uh responsibility, taking responsibility for everything,
2: right?
0: How did you become a writer, Michael?
2: You know, um, the book, 250 Days of Motivation and Inspiration, I, what I do on my Facebook, all my social media pages, is I, I commune and have my quiet time with God. And then whatever the spirit speaks to me, I put it on paper and then I share it with the world. Now, I share with the world because I know, again, my purpose here is to have God live through me. So what I put out to the world, I don't know who it's for, but I know that someone needs it. And I did that for years. And I still do it on my my social media pages, even after I wrote the book. But I say that to you because a woman was dying of cancer and she wrote me an inbox and she says, you know, I would love to have your messages in one place. And you know what I did is for her, I wrote the book and I dedicated it to her. And that's how you got the the book, 250 pages of uh, motivation and inspiration.
0: Yeah. And I love the sections that you sent to me. That's profound. I have lots of them here. You've got so many powerful messages. Talk to me about the Youth Voices Center.
2: Okay, that that is... Um, I went to school. So let's first start. I had that tumultuous growing up. Yeah. Um, I took that. Um, I went off to college. I became a social worker. Um, and then one of my... I ended up working with youth. Um, not ended up. That was my purpose. I love working with young people. I say that because they would give me curriculums to work with the young people. Um, and these people would go on the computer, find what they thought looked good, and then they would give it to me, and then when it didn't work, I would get reprimanded. So I said, you know what? Rather than continuing to get reprimanded for something that I didn't choose, I decided to create my own youth development program, which I call Power of Peace. Mm. And the success of the program I created, I had to create the Umbrella Youth Voices Center so that i would able to be a non-profit to get um grants and money from philanthropists
0: wonderful journey isn't it to get involved in something like that so meaningful
2: yeah yeah humbling humbling you know to be to be the teenage boy that on on paper put it this way on paper all the stuff that i'm doing today should not be happening
0: some of the topics that you sent to me It's an interesting one. I'll focus on the ones that really caught my attention. Uh, You say no regrets. So talk to me about that. How do we live a life where you have been saying that as of now at this moment about living our purpose, taking responsibility, just doing the work. But tell me how you teach young people to live this way. Do they understand this, what it is to live with no regrets?
2: You know what I... Yeah, what I explained to them, it's all about preparation. You see, so so you you live, in, 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 in young people or adults as well, if you live a life that is structured around preparation, then once you get to the final product, you may not make it perfectly, but if you prepared properly, you should know what you're going to get. You know, um, and I learned it at a young age and believe it or not, it was on an athletic field rather than in, in a business world or a mindful set. I'm, I'm, I was a football player and at a young age, I realized we have um, what they call preseason so that we come into camp in August. The first two weeks of camp are set aside for the teams to get in condition to be ready to play their season against opponents. So what I realized is that if I came into camp already in shape, Uh not only was I ahead of the competition, but I was also ahead of the competition I had on my own team. And so what happened is I found great success in that. And I've been able to bleed that in to the structure of everything that I do. So anything that I do, I'm properly prepared so that as things may fall to the side if you're way ahead of yourself you're able to move and and be um proactive rather than reactive
0: that also means that we should be open to change course of our purpose would you say that just being prepared for that
2: yeah 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 you have to you you, you, you if you you prepare but you don't you, you the the teacher must always remain a student. So, so I say that because what you have to do is in that process, if you're going along and something happens, then you have to put that student hat on and say, let me learn from this. Let me make that left turn. Let me make that right turn so that I can continue to move forward. Um, it's like instincts and intellect. And I think some people function out of the intellectual piece and use less instinct and it drives them into a dead end because not all things can be thought out on an intellectual level.
0: I love the way you talk about the heart, that your heart knows why you're here. Your heart knows about possibilities that your mind has not yet considered. Is that what you basically speaking of?
2: Yeah, you gave me goosebumps. You know, I love, I, I i call it going to the deep end. And what i what I mean by that is, I get bored with people very easily (laughs) because I am, I I am a deep individual and um, I like to have conversations that keep me stimulated. And the fact that you caught that, um, yeah, I I got goosebumps because that's exactly what I was trying to say, to be honest with
0: you. Yeah. I love this passage. That's so true. How do you want to be remembered,
2: Michael? Uh, Listen, (laughs) how do I want to be remembered? You know, um, there's a, uh, I wrote in my book, and it says short term thinkers plant gardens, long term thinkers plant trees, eternity minded thinkers plant themselves in the souls of others. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is how I want to be remembered is the fact that every interaction that I have with a person, I want when it's completed. For that person, when I walk away or when we hang up a phone or I step from a podium, I want people to just say, like, who was that guy? You know what? What I mean, like, what just happened to me? And so I don't set it up. I don't fabricate it. It's not like I put on a mask or a suit. I allow, again, the spirit to work through me. But I want to leave Not a mystique type of essence, but an essence that says that I was touched.
0: That is something that we all should reflect on because it's so true. You want to plant seeds in the soul because it's the only thing that's real anyway, from my perspective. Nothing else is. There's um, another topic that you speak of that is worth having a conversation about, at least for a moment, doubt. Is it possible not to have doubts? In your book, you say, don't let someone who gave up on their dreams talk you out of yours. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. So is it possible to live without any doubts?
2: You know, when I say don't allow other people, that, that, that goes to, you know, and I just wrote something that I put on Facebook today is, is surrounding ourselves with individuals that create an energy that project us to our goals rather than deter us from trying to get to them. You see, so do you have doubt? Doubt can be there, but then what you need to do is you have to put things into place To be be back to the word, we talk about preparation. So what I do to combat doubt is I make sure that I surround myself with the proper people or I feed myself with the proper food to make sure that the doubt is limited. You know, um, one thing I want to finish on that note is people have to understand that no decision is a bad decision. Mm. And so, you know, if you feel like I'm not going to make a decision because it's safe, sometimes that is just as bad as making the bad decision.
0: So even preparing our environment, the people we live with, the friends that we invite into our lives. So that's all part of that preparation. I like that, to think that way. So when we have a doubt, we have friends, so we have tools to deal with that. Talk to me for a moment about judgment. Judgment. What is the antidote to judgment?
2: Look in the mirror. That's the antidote. I mean, if you, if, you, if you want to combat judgment, look at your broken self. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. That's one thing. I, I, I don't even have a problem with judgment. It's not. A, it's not. If there's one thing in life that I don't have problem with, and that's judgment, because all I have to do is look in the mirror. I'm broken. I'm cracked. I'm imperfect. I try my best to do the best, to be the best person that I can, but I am far from it on some days, and some days I shoot way out of the park. So, you know, when I look at another individual, you'll never, never, I mean, and and, and don't dare you judge someone else in my presence because I'm on it. You know what I'm saying? I'm on it, you know. And, I, you know, believe it or not, it, it started at a young age. You know, I'm a, I'm a big guy, and I was always the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> like I was always the b- kindergarten, first grade. So like I had a choice at a young age and I, I thought about it like I'm sitting in the chair and I said, listen, either you can be the bully and have everything you want because nobody's bigger than you, or you can be the one that protect those being bullied. And, you know, I chose to be the protector, you know, and I did it from kindergarten until I graduated high school and I still do it as an adult, but I'll tell you a sweet moment. I walked into my 25 year high school reunion and my class president pulls me to the side. Now I'm not expecting this at all. And she says, "I just want you to know that there's people here tonight just because they emailed and called me and asked if you were coming." <laughs> you know, and so, you know, when you when you talk about judgment, you know, those kids that were now doctors and lawyers you know, they, they remembered like they, this, I want to go back and see this guy who was my protector. So, you know, I don't judge anyone. Everyone, everyone is beautiful.
0: I love your perspective on judgment and looking into ourselves. Just if we get to know our own selves, we will know that we have everything, the, the good and the bad, that so many things can happen in life. But that comes from a place of self-awareness and self-knowledge, and perhaps even spirituality. What's the antidote for that, the beginning, the steps to teach young people not to judge? It might be not judging themselves first, right, Michael, in a way, coming from that place of um, no judgment for oneself.
2: What I do is I show them, I do activities to show them the person being judged so that they can feel how it feels to be the one that's left out.
0: Mm, right. see
2: what practice. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that that makes them cognizant of it so that, you know, you always feel like you're the outsider. So I put them in the hot seat and say, look, how does that feel? <laughs> oh, you
0: teach them to have empathy. Yes, yes. That's a good place to start, definitely. Yeah, I'm always talking to educators. So many people, I talk to lots of people. And I always... Go back to that idea of self-love, self-knowledge, self-awareness, just that non-judgmental practice within our own lives, ourselves. Because if we cannot accept ourselves, it's really challenging to accept others.
2: Yeah, it's very important. It's very important. It's where it starts. If you can't love yourself, you can't love others. Do you also teach self-love? Yes, I do. I do. I do a big piece on affirmation. And so what I do is, um, you know, I, I do an activity where I have them speak to a partner for one minute and list all the positive qualities about themselves. Then the other partner lists all the positive qualities about themselves. Then I have their partners stand up and tell all the positive qualities that were told. And so when you start to hear the echoes of those positive qualities, I explain to them that we have to embrace the positive qualities. And just like I said before about the concept of not allowing the negative qualities to plant and germinate themselves and live towards that, that positive person. So affirmation, especially for a teenager, is, is, is very important.
0: Yeah. I also love the way you talk about life. Stop trying to imagine that beauty and start allowing yourself to experience it. I love that because life is beautiful.
2: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And if you work, what I'm saying is if you force yourself, it's like, it's it's like if you create your, your prince or your princess and, and you start to court and look for that individual, um, you, we, you and I both know you'll never find it. And so you'll be miserable because you can't find a lifelong partner because they don't match what you've created in your mind as the perfect man or woman. Um, And so, you know, it's the same thing with life. You have to be able to understand to have some flexibility because not all things, there's not much in life that fits the word perfect.
0: Yeah, that's another illusion that so many young people and adults we fall into is perfectionism. Talk to me for a moment about gratitude, this is something you mentioned in your book too. You say, treasure what you are thankful for and be thankful for what you treasure. Beautifully written.
2: Right, right. You know, because what you have a tendency to do is be so, you want so much more that you're not happy with what you have, you know? And then when you take it into the spiritual world to whomever you believe in, so whatever you, it, the universe or so whatever higher power it is, if you don't appreciate what you have, what what makes you think you're going to get more? (laughs) true. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer that, you know, and not only um, gratitude of what you have, I feel that anything that falls away wasn't meant to be with you anyway. Yeah. So I think the universe creates an energy to make things you get pruned. So things that you lose are not things that you're you're supposed to take forward in your path anyway. So be grateful for what you have.
0: A lot of times we miss on that and we just uh, focus on having more on what we want, but we don't appreciate what we already have. That's so true. And, And sometimes the simple things even. Simple, simple things like being alive, just that itself it's huge it's a miracle as you say too in your book it is a miracle to be alive so i have a few more questions for you i call them final questions but before that would you like to add anything or read another passage from your book
2: um no i'd rather spend the time on the questions i like (laughs) i like answering your questions you know um my book my book in itself you know, the passages all kind of flow in the direction of what we're talking about. You know, each one of the pages is, is put together so that you're able to look at it, read it, and find proper perspective in your life. And I think that's the golden ticket.
0: Yeah. I love your work, Michael. I love the, how profound the messages are. I was just reading it and thinking to myself, wow, is this for young people? That's wonderful, because this is definitely for adults, too, <laughs> for most of us, for sure, regardless of age. So my final questions, what is success to you? What is to be
2: successful? You know, again, back to the, the fruits of your labor, you know, um, success to me is is being able to see sort of the back end of 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 where you start. So like for me, you know, I work with young people and adults, but to have a person come to you and be pieces. And then once you finish doing your unified work to see them whole um, to me, brings me great joy. You know, I had a young lady who um, came from a family where out of four generations, no one had ever graduated high school. And so, you know, you had to think about all her role models. And I got her in the ninth grade and we connected and I realized she needed more. And I kept I kept after her Mm -hmm. um, and she graduated, Uh you know, and she graduated. So, you know, at her graduation, you know, I'm I'm crying and (laughs) I was very emotional. But it was, you know, for most of the kids walking across the stage to get their diplomas for them, it was work. But I knew what it took for her to be able to walk across that stage to get that diploma. And so, you know, that to me is, is success.
0: I love your mission. It's honorable. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself as of today?
2: You know, I, uh, I learned it in a process and then it was after the fact. So my dream in life was to be a professional football player. So you got to imagine, the work that I do today, I love it, I enjoy it, (laughs) but it's not what I woke up in the morning. You know, as a kid, I wasn't like, when I get older, I want to be a motivational speaker. But I tell you that because things worked out. I tried out. I tried out out for a professional team. Um, I didn't make an American team. I got some offers to some football teams over in Europe. I I, I didn't take those offers. But I'll never forget, I left one of my groups. And it was totally emotional. All the kids gave it up. We were crying. We were healing. And I'm sitting at a light. And I got the flash a million-dollar contract for football and then what I experienced in that room. And I said, there's no money in the world that would have been equal to what I felt. So, you know, that was a lesson for me, you know, that it wasn't supposed to be football. It was supposed to be what I do on a daily basis.
0: And how beautiful to understand that, have that maturity to understand these things in life. Yeah, another question. Do you believe in unconditional self-love?
2: Oh, you have to. You have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely do. You know, I, I definitely do because what happens is if you don't, you know, you, 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 you there's no progress. You know, if, if, if and that's what I think, love about faith. Is because there's times where you if you work from just the human side of it, you you would give up. You know what I mean? You know, when I say there's days that I'm not the best person, I'm not lying. I mean, that's just true. I mean, I'm not out murdering someone, but, you know, I I make some bad choices. And so, you know, on those days, I can't say to myself that I can't wake up tomorrow and start with with a new day of grace. You know, I have to say that that's is part of the process. So, you know, you have to love yourself unconditionally because if not, you know, it and 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 as a parent, I make sure that my kids don't see perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, see, you know, a lot of people parent their children where they want their kids to see them as perfect, right. but then there's no wiggle room. Yeah. So, again, my kids have to know that know that I'm a broken vessel because they're going to run into an opportunity when they're, they, they do something to prove that they're broken as well.
0: If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently?
2: Not one thing. Not one thing. You know, when I reflect back over my life, you know, and I, 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 it's in one, one of my talks that I do. Um, I talk about the fact that you one day in your life, you just sit back and you realize that you had to go through everything that you went through to be where you are. You know, um, my passion, um, my my ability to do what I have to do is all based on my path. And so my path had to be the way it was for me to be as powerful and motivating and inspiring as I am now.
0: And my final question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now?
2: One thing's for sure that um, I've, 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 <laughs> I I've uh, I suffered a spinal injury, so I walk with a limp. You know what I mean, and and it's hard for a person that's been athletic all his life. So some people may find this comical, but I know that once I get to heaven, I will run again. Mm-hmm. So I know that for sure. Um, the second thing that I know for sure is that, um, that, that, uh, along with running that, you know, I will die here on earth, but again, I will, I will live again, um, in a perfect body. You know what I mean? Um, and one thing that I know for sure is that, um, I know someone that loves me, um, for everything, my 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 faults, my my good things, my bad things, and every so whatever everything in between, which is my God.
0: Yeah, I love your faith, the trust. It's powerful, very powerful. And um, thank you so much, Michael, for your presence. I absolutely love your wisdom. And um, thank you for being you.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, I really appreciate it
0: where can we find more information about you your books products services and future projects
2: well first and foremost your 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 audience and you are very lucky i've just finished a course um and they can actually your listeners can get a free book and get a peek at my course if they go to shakethedirtexperience.com so that's something i definitely would like them to um check out but um that and my public speaking forum is uh, uh My youth youthvoicescenter.org is my nonprofit platform. And then if you put my name in the show notes, they can come. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm very interactive, and I like to really interact with my followers. So definitely those are some of the places.
0: Thank you so much again, and we'll talk
2: soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye for now.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Michael Arterberry and his work, please visit michaelarterberry.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org
0: slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.